Welcome, welcome, welcome to Worship from Schweitzer. I'm Pastor Jason, and we are so glad that you're here. It is a great day. We're starting a new sermon series today called Give Thanks, and we are looking forward to all kinds of things that are, that are good, that God has been up to, and it's going to be a, a great day ahead of us. If this is your first time, let us know you're here. We've got a special gift card we'd love to send to you. If you've been around here for a while, you know that if you go to Schweitzer.church slash next, you can find ways you can grow deeper in your faith. There are discussion questions that go along with the sermon, all kinds of other things. Next up, we're going to hear about what's happening this week at Schweitzer. So let's listen in. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Welcome to Schweitzer. We have one more week left in the Schweitzer food drive for the Flourish Food Pantry. So make sure that you're adding some items to your regular shopping list this week. You can look for things like peanut butter and jelly, macaroni and cheese, canned tuna, among other things. We have collection bins here ready for your donations at any time. You can find out a full list online at schweitzer.church flourish or by stopping in the lobby today. Next Saturday, November 5th, from 3 to 8 p.m., guys of all ages will be gathering at the Circle Z Ranch in Rogersville, Missouri, for a fantastic afternoon and evening of food, games, music, horseback riding, and a bonfire. You can find out more at schweitzer.church guys or by stopping in the lobby today, but make sure you sign up by November 1st to let us know you're coming. Coming up in two weeks on November 11th, our second season ministry will be hosting Boomer Bash 2.0 from 5 to 7 p.m. This will be a super fun time hanging out together, listening to bluegrass music, having snacks, and just visiting with each other as we celebrate one year of this fantastic ministry. Then on Saturday from 9 to 1.30, we're hosting a special seminar led by Clayton Smith and the second season team talking about how to leave a legacy. You can find out more and sign up online at schweitzer.church slash second season or by stopping by the Blue Booth today. The seminar is open to everybody, but is especially of interest to those 50 and older. As you can see, we have lots of great opportunities coming up, and here are even a few more you can mark on your calendars. You can always find out more about all of our opportunities at schweitzer.church next. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie. Next up, we're going to enter into worship. If you're worshiping live with us at 9 or 1030 in the morning, we encourage you to take a moment, say hello to people in the chat room. If you've got prayers at this time, there's somebody in the prayer room that would be happy to pray with you. Now, as we get ready to worship, we're going to hear this call. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for what He's done. Let's give thanks together in this time of worship. Lord, I 
confess That I'm far from innocent These shackles I wear I bought on my own The scarlet sins had a crimson cause You nailed my dead to that old rugged cross An empty slave at the empty grave Thank God that stone was rolled away Lord, I confess I've been Stop.
scarlet sins had a crimson cost. You nailed my debt to that old rugged cross. An empty slate at the empty grave. Thank God that stone was rolled away. As we come to a time of prayer, I invite you to join me in this prayer of thanksgiving. Almighty and most merciful God, from you comes every good and perfect gift. We give you praise and thanks for all your mercies. Your goodness has created us. Your bounty has sustained us. Your discipline has chastened us. Your patience has borne with us. Your love has redeemed us. Give us a heart to love and serve you and enable us to show our thankfulness for all your goodness and mercy by giving up ourselves to your service and cheerfully submitting in all things to your blessed will. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Let's pray together the prayer Jesus taught us when we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There are a lot of ministries that extend the ministry of Jesus through Schweitzer because of your generous and faithful giving. And we know that's in response to God's generosity in our own lives. So thank you for being generous. Thank you for being faithful with the bountiful gifts that God has entrusted to you. Um, you can give today in worship by going to schweitzer.church give or by going and using the Church Center app. Thank you for your generous and faithful giving. Next up is our sermon coming from Psalm 107, and it's kicking off our sermon series, Give Thanks. Let's tune in to Spencer. I give thanks today for my two grandsons, Bolt and Ender. The reason I think of them is they just, they bring me joy, they embody it, and they remind me what it means to have joy and uh, have that childlike spirit. My name is Ed, and this is why I give thanks. Well, welcome today. My name is Spencer. So glad that you're here with us. Today is part one of a brand new series called Give Thanks. For the next four weeks from now until Thanksgiving, we are gonna explore how it is that we develop a life of thankfulness. I'm really excited about this series. This has been something that's been on my mind for like a year or so as I've been uh, learning and, and I think the Lord has been teaching me some things about how to develop thankfulness in my own life. And so I'm really excited to share with you some things that I've been learning about how to grow into this and to develop a life of thankfulness um, so much deeper than maybe we might think sometimes. Now with thankfulness, one of the things I've been learning is that, is that thankfulness is a basic approach to life for a follower of Jesus. The great reformer Martin Luther, he called thankfulness, quote unquote, 
the basic Christian attitude that thankfulness is just a part of what it is to follow Jesus. And I, I know that that's not a very profound thing to say as we start because it's pretty obvious that followers of Jesus should be thankful people. But you know what? Sometimes there's a, there's a disconnect between what we know in our heads to what we know in our hearts, what we think about to what, how we actually live. And what, what I want to do in this series is give us some tools to live a life of thankfulness, some practical, practical steps that we can take to develop and cultivate a life of thankfulness. So it's not just something we know about, it's something we actually live. Now, this series is going to be guided through um, by Psalm 107, which is a a psalm of thanksgiving. It's it's kind of long, it's 43 verses, and so we're going to divide it up each week. And, And this psalm, it tells of four different things that the Lord does in our life that result in thanksgiving. And so as we go through this four-week series, we're going to look at these four things that the Lord does that stirs within us and builds within us um, a life of thankfulness. And so here's, here's how Psalm 107 gets going. This is verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Now this is a, a common refrain throughout the Psalms. And right off the bat, we have this This uh, word of giving thanks to the Lord for all that he's done. His love endures forever. His goodness that's in our lives. And a common refrain that we see in lots of places throughout the Psalms, lots of places in the Bible, this line of giving thanks to the Lord for he is good. And and as we think about this, just right off the bat as we start this series, this phrase, um, give thanks. Let's let's think about this phrase, give thanks to the Lord. And as we think about this phrase, um, let's talk about grammar. So it might have been a while since you've had an English class, but in English class, you, you might learn about how different verbs have what we call uh, moods. There are verbs that, that carry different meanings as, as they go, different moods that we have. And so some verbs express things like, um, like facts, like this shirt is brown. It's just a, it's a factual statement. The mood there is, is very factual. Uh, some verbs express uh, questions like, you know, is it cold outside? Or other verbs sometimes express commands. We, we call this imperatives. Stand up sit down. Can you guess what mood this line, give thanks to the Lord, is in? Well, it's, it's in the imperative mood. Let me give you some other examples from the Bible of the imperative mood in action. Um, do not murder. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not covet. Honor your father and mother. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Uh, have no idols, have no other gods before me. I think you're catching what I'm, what I'm putting down here is that as we think about this phrase, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. This is a, not a suggestion. This is a command. This is a way of life for those of us who follow the Lord. And, and right off the bat here in Psalm 107, this very first verse we see an incredibly important shift that has to take place if we are going to be people who live a life of thankfulness, a life of gratitude. Because I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say that for a lot of us, you're probably like me. And when I think about thankfulness, I usually think about this in terms of um, an emotional response to something that happens to me. So I feel thankful, you know, when something good happens. I feel thankful when someone does something kind for me. I feel thankful when I receive a gift, right? It's an emotional response to to something that happens, but that is not how the Bible talks about thankfulness. In the Bible, thankfulness is, is a choice that we make 
in how we live our lives, how we go about our lives. So for me, one of the helpful ways that I've been thinking about this, this shift is that it's helpful to think about thankfulness less about an emotional response, something you feel because something happens to you, and more like, say, a spiritual discipline. And spiritual disciplines are, are those things that we do when we want to and when we don't want to. We show up on days that we want to show up. We show up on days when we don't want to show up. And that's what makes it a discipline is that we structure our lives around these practices. And there's something about consistent and regular use of spiritual disciplines when we want to and we don't want to that, that guide us towards encountering Jesus. And when we encounter Jesus, of course, our lives change. And so we think about spiritual disciplines, things like, I don't know, daily Bible reading, daily prayer, weekly worship, serving others, tithing, um, uh, journaling, these kinds of things that we have. Well, we should also be thinking about how gratitude, thankfulness is like those things. I mean, what if we started to think about thankfulness like we think about things like weekly worship or tithing or daily Bible reading? something that we intentionally do, something that we take time to practice, that we make a plan for in a way that we actually um, structure our time, our energy, our thoughts around that. The great writer Henry Nouwen, he writes about the, the discipline of thankfulness like this. This is very wise words that he writes. He says, gratitude as a discipline involves a conscious choice. I can choose to be grateful even when my emotions and feelings are steep and hurt and resentful. It is amazing how many occasions present themselves in which I can choose gratitude instead of a complaint. I can choose to be grateful when I am criticized. Even when my heart responds in bitterness, I can choose to listen to the voices that forgive and to look at the faces that smile even while I still hear words of revenge and see grimaces of hatred. See, gratitude is something that we choose to live into. It's something that we choose to practice. It's something that we put in place in our life, just like other spiritual disciplines. It's not just something that happens to us because something good happens, but rather it's a way of life that we structure um, our time and our energy to cultivate. And on top of that, it's a command. So if this is how gratitude works, it's something that we have to live into to, to cultivate, to, to live into the command. I think that the big question then should be, well, why? As we go back to now Psalm 107, we're going to see why gratitude is such a key part um, of the Christian life. So here's what Psalm 107, we start back with verse one. We've already read it once, but here's how it starts. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Verse two, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. 
for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Now we're going to stop there and we'll pick this up next week. But as we read through these first few verses of Psalm 107, we see why it is that thankfulness is so important because what we see is that the Lord is searching for us. He's seeking us. He's working in our lives. He's gathering us up from the east and the north and the south and the west. From, from those of us who are in, in desert wastelands, he's bringing into cities so we can belong and we can find healing and hope. He, he's, he's filling the hungry with good things because this is what the Lord does. And, and as we see this, we see this incredible picture of how it is that God is active in our life, that, that the Lord is, is seeking to, to bless. The Lord is seeking to extend his goodness. The Lord is seeking to gather us together in order to share with us his life and his love and his goodness with us. It's an incredible picture. And as we see this picture from Psalm 107, what we see is that the Lord is active in our lives in so many ways that sometimes we probably don't even realize it. And I'm sure we all have stories of this, of, of, of ways that, that things happen in life that, that end up for our good, but in the time we don't even really kind of see what it is that's happening. And we may even talk about things like coincidences, except that when we read Psalm 107 and these other places in the Bible, we we really see is that the Lord is active and he's moving and he's showing himself to us and he's leading us and he's guiding us and he's gathering us and he's filling our lives with good things because, because this is what the Lord does. And this is who he is, is he shares his life with us. And this leads us to a, another shift that has to take place if we're going to develop gratitude in our life. Because as we're reading through Psalm 107, this call to give thanks in response to how the Lord is leading our lives, whether we recognize it or not, one of the things that we, we start to see is that in order to develop gratitude, to develop thankfulness in our lives, one of the things that has to happen is that we have to begin to see the world through the lens of God's goodness, of, of His movement, of His work in our lives. And as we begin to see the world through the lens of how God is seeking to guide us and lead us, we begin to make a shift that leads us towards gratitude. But I'm going to be honest, that shift in, in seeing the world through the goodness of God and how God is at work in our lives, that is a hard shift for so many of us to make because so many of us live with a very different view of the world. So many people live their lives and they look at the world as if everything is on their shoulders. So many people have a, a world of view where they essentially think to themselves, I'm on my own. I, I am responsible for my own well-being. I am responsible for the outcome of my life. The success of a good life is really on my shoulders. And, and so a lot of people, a lot of people, lots and lots and lots and lots of people live their life thinking that, that when problems arise and and and, and uh, problems come and surface that it's on their shoulders to find the solutions. And this is how they see the world is it's always about what do I need to do in order to have this good life. This is why a lot of people struggle with things like control because they feel like they have to be in control of everything because everything resides on their responsibility, their responsibility to provide for themselves to, to have a good life, to uh, be successful in life. It's always about them. And so they, they crave this control. And, and when they lose control and things get beyond them, they stress out and they're anxious and, and they're angry and they're resentful because they've, they've lost this sense of control. There's so many people who live their lives like that. So many Christians 
who live their lives with this understanding that life is really about what I have to do and what I can do. And this is also why so many of us will always gravitate towards what's wrong in life. We just fill our minds and our attention and our focus on what's wrong in life. And so, you know, a thousand things could be going right, but when you see the world mostly through, you know, I'm on my own, I have to produce this, it's about me and what I can, what I can control, you're always going to gravitate towards what's wrong. So a thousand things can go right, but if there's one thing that's wrong, that's all you're focused on. Several years ago, I read this article in Rolling Stone magazine about Larry David. Larry David is the uh, co-creator of Seinfeld, and he has another show on HBO called Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's an incredibly successful person. And in this article, Larry David and the author, they went to a, a Yankees game. He's from New York and native son of New York. And so they go to this Yankees game, big fan of the Yankees. And as they're there, the announcer announces that Larry David is in the house. And so 50,000 people stand and they give him a standing ovation because he's you know, so well-loved in, in New York. Well, after the game and they leave, they've had this incredible standing ovation. They're, they're walking out of the stadium and this man across the street yells out to Larry David a criticism, an obscenity. I'm not going to say what it is. And, and, and as they get back in the car and they're driving uh, back to, to where they came from, the author talks about how Larry David the whole time is talking about one of those two experiences. Can you, can you guess which one? Is he talking about the 50,000 people who applauded him or the one person who criticized him? Well, of course you know the answer because this is relatable to all of us. I mean, a thousand things can go right, but so often we get so focused on just the one thing that's wrong. And so there's a shift that, that needs to take place if we're going to be people of gratitude where we begin to see the world not through all the things that we have to do or all the things that are wrong with us, but we have to begin to see the world through the lens of the goodness of God, how he's searching after us and seeking us from the north and south and east and west, how he fills the hungry with good things, how, how he leads us from desert wastelands into cities and gives us a home and a place to belong, that this is the work that the Lord is doing in all of our lives, whether we recognize it or not, whether we deserve it or not, the Lord is good and he's seeking to share his goodness with us. This is just who he is. And what do you think begins to change when you make this shift and you start to see the world through the lens of the goodness of God? Well, you're going to begin to see so many different things as you cultivate this understanding of life, as you see everything as God would move in your life and, and express himself to you. This reminds me of um, what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 6. This is something I, I come back to quite a bit, and I, certainly we've talked about this in lots of sermons, this passage, but I think I come back to it so often because it's so challenging. But listen to how Jesus describes these two worldviews um, in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Let me say that differently. Don't spend your energy, your, your focus, your thoughts, looking at the world according to all the things that you don't have. Don't spend your energy thinking about what others have that you wish you had or how you wish your circumstances were different. Don't, don't live your life like that. He goes on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, I hope you caught it, but Jesus just gave us these two worldviews side by side. I mean, on one hand, you can look at the world through all the things that you don't have. All the things that you wish were different, all the things that you see other people have that you wish you had, and you can certainly live your life that way. Lots and lots and lots of people do. And when you do, you're going to end up anxious, depressed, resentful, anger, because all the things that you filled yourself with are going to come out in that way. You are cultivating within yourself higher anxiety, higher stress, higher depression, higher anger, higher resentment. That's all you're doing is you're cultivating that within yourself. I mean, honestly, a lot of us need to pause and take an inventory about the kinds of things that we are feeding ourselves because so many of us are feeding ourselves comparisons, and highly anxious content, and we're feeding ourselves things that make us worried and stressed. And so we need to be thinking about things like, you know, simple questions. What are we watching? What are we reading? What are we, you know, putting right in front of our faces with our phones and, and, and filling our social media feeds with? What are, what are we doing here? Because research has shown incredibly high correlations between higher levels of anxiety, stress, loneliness, depression, and higher screen times. So it's like, well, of course it is because you're cultivating that within yourself. But Jesus also talks about another worldview, one that recognizes the goodness of God, one that sees that God provides and God leads, even, even when you don't recognize it, like the flowers of the field and the birds of the air, one that rests in the knowledge that God is good and he's seeking to share his goodness with us. And so what happens when you cultivate that worldview? What happens when you begin to cultivate an understanding and filling your mind with the goodness of God as it surrounds you every single day. Well, I'll tell you, you begin to live your life very differently because you're going to begin to experience things like peace, contentment, joy, and gratitude in ways that you would never experience otherwise. But I got to tell you, that kind of worldview doesn't just happen. You have to cultivate it. You have to tend to it and pay attention to it and and live within it. And so there's this tradition among Christians in, in cultivating this understanding of God's goodness, in, in naming the specific ways that we see God at work in our lives. Um, there's this old hymn, maybe, maybe you remember it. Uh, we sing it in church sometimes. Uh, Count your blessings, right? Name them one by one. I mean, that's exactly what this tradition is about is is naming and being specific about the ways that we see God at work in our life and being paying attention to that sort of thing. Now, that, that hymn is, is quite fascinating. I'm not going to sing it to you, so there's something you can be thankful for. But I want to read to you some of the verses from that hymn because I think it's so interesting how it talks about um, the things that we go through in life and this choice we have to recognize the goodness of God. So there are four verses. They're not very long, but here's how they go. Listen to these. When upon life's billows... You are tempest-tossed. 
when you are discouraged thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Verse two, are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings, every day will fly, and you will be singing as the days go by. Verse three, when you look at others with their lands and gold, think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings, money cannot buy, your reward in heaven, uh, nor your home on high. Verse four, so amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend, help and comfort give you to your journey's end. I think this hymn is fascinating because as you think about those four verses, we just read here, um, the first verse was about trials in life. The second verse was about anxiety. The third verse was about comparison to other people. And the fourth verse was about conflict. I mean, these are four things that when you experience them in your life, oftentimes that's what you get focused on. And, and it's the things that are wrong. It's the things that you are tempted to be stressed about. And yet what this hymn is teaching us is that in the midst of all of those things, you can still choose to find reasons to be thankful, to count your blessings. Now, full disclosure, I hate that hymn. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Honestly, it is one of my least favorite songs that we sing in church. I really despise it. I don't like the melody. I, I think the words feel contrived. I've never liked it. I, I kind of cringe when we sing it sometimes in church because I just, I dislike it so much. But recently I was reading this book by a psychologist who I don't think this person has faith in Christ. I mean, they don't talk, it's not as a secular book, so I don't think they have faith in Christ. And, and the psychologist was talking about how um, in, in his practice, one of the things that he uh, recommends for people with high levels of anxiety is that to deal with their anxiety, one of the, the, the practical things that they should do is write down the things that they are thankful for. Let me say that differently. He advises people to count their blessings and name them one by one. <laughs> now this psychologist, says, he talks about how um, many therapists are, are recognizing through scientific research that one of the best ways to handle high levels of anxiety is to get people to reframe their minds where they can begin to see good things around them. And so scientific research has shown that some of the ways that you do this are, are through things like gratitude journals, where every day you write down three to five things you're thankful for, usually not big things, usually small things, but just naming them or writing thank you notes that you're putting pen to paper to be intentional about developing this. And so this author, who again, I don't believe is a Christian, I don't know if he has faith at all, but, but he was writing about specifically, he said this, that science and researchers and therapists are rediscovering what people have faith have known for generations, that we have to cultivate this. We have to develop this and pay attention to this and be intentional about this. Now, for the secular researcher, it was about just recognizing good things in life, but we know that those good things in life are not just coincidences. They're God's gifts to us, expressions of His grace, which is why we give thanks to begin with, because His grace is at work in our lives. And this is why we can look at the world through the lens of God's goodness. And when we do this, what we recognize is that God is working in our lives in ways that we don't even see it sometimes. And yet he is seeking, he is searching for us. 
He is leading us and guiding us. He's gathering us from the north and south and east and west. He's taking us from desert wastelands into cities. He's He's leading us who are hungry and he's filling us with good things. He's he's sharing his goodness and his love with us. And because of this, when we recognize it, we can dwell on those places and our response is simply to give thanks. So as we close today, let me end with a really simple, practical question. As you think about your life right now, right now, today, What are some things that you can give thanks for today? Now, with that question in mind, let's pray. So, Father, we recognize, as we pause here, that there are so many ways that you are sharing your goodness and love with us. Now, we confess that we have, so many of us have developed a worldview that's really focused on just what's wrong And we've got a list of complaints, but today we want to have a list of blessings, a list of ways that we understand that you are at work in our lives. We want to take a moment and just count our blessings, to name them one by one, this ancient wisdom of naming before you the various ways that we see your grace at work in our lives. So wherever we are today, we just want to name to you some things, specific things, things we've experienced recently that remind us that your love and faithfulness and goodness is always being expressed to us. Would you give us eyes to see and help us to repent and to turn away from this focus on ourselves where we just think life is about us to where we begin to see the world to the goodness of God. Help us to cultivate this within us as we recognize the the largest way that you've given yourself for us. We give thanks primarily for the gift of your son that invites all of us into a relationship with you so that no matter who we are or where we are, whether we believe in you or not, we can come before you. We can find grace and mercy always in your presence because your love for us is so great. As for anyone who's with us today who doesn't know this love for themselves, the simple prayer of faith, we just pray, Lord Jesus, would you forgive me my sin? Would you lead my life? Help us to understand the goodness of God expressed for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray today. Amen. Thanks for being with us in worship today. Wherever you're at, thanks for joining us, for tuning in. A big thank you to all those who helped put this worship experience together, to the team behind the scenes, to Alec and the host of others, to Stephanie, to Spencer. To all those who contributed to our worship team, thank you so much. If you've been blessed in this time of worship, if you've been challenged, we encourage you to take a moment and share this experience with those that you care for, those that you interact with on a daily basis. Um, Share it on social media. You know how to do that. Thanks for joining us. Join us next week as we celebrate All Saints Sunday, as we celebrate uh, and continue to lean into this sermon series on giving thanks. We'll see you next week. Articulate with a thousand tongues.
lungs to lift one cry Then north and south and east to west We'd hear Christ be magnified And were the whole earth echoing His eminence His name would burst from sea and sky From rivers to the mountaintops We'd hear Christ be magnified and oh Christ be magnified let his praise arise Christ be magnified in me and oh Christ be magnified in the altar of my life Christ be magnified in me. When every creature finds its inmost melody, and every human heart is native of Christ, then cross brings transformation and I'll be crucified with you cause death is just the doorway into resurrection life and if I join you in your sufferings then I'll join you when you rise and when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints oh my heart will still be saved and my song will be 